With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to... Hey, great shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. Of course, we are all focused on the action unfolding in London. The 2021 Wimbledon entering its second week. A fantastic manic Monday of matches on our hands. And of course, we have been breaking down each day's Wimbledon action on the Mini Break Podcast. But as all of you listeners know, just because there's a Grand Slam going on doesn't mean everything else pauses in the tennis world. Nope, we've still got ATP Challenger action to break down, and of course, that's what we do here Mondays on the Great Shot Podcast. Our friends Damian Kust, Jakob Bobro, break down all of the action that happens each week on the ATP Challenger Tour. They do so again on today's podcast. They talk about the explosive forehand of El Tug Chelik Belik, how it helped him earn a challenger title this past week. They also recap their draft pick game from the 2021 Wimbledon. They talk about what the hell Benoit Pair is doing down on the challenger level and so much more. It is a fantastic conversation that I know all of you listeners are going to enjoy. Of course, before we can get to it, I have to remind all of you that these podcasts are made possible day in, day out, week in, week out, due to the support we get from all of you listeners, from our Cracked Rackets Patreon family and of course, from our friends at Turn of Tennis, you all know the deal. It's the best grip in the business. Get yourself on the Turn of Tennis team. Contact them by emailing sales at uniquesports.com or calling 800-554-3707. You mentioned that we sent you. They'll hook you up with reduced pricing. They'll hook you up with some free samples as well. Again, to contact Turn of Tennis, email sales at uniquesports.com or call 800-554-3707. With that in mind, another fantastic ATP Challenger Tour-centric podcast for all of you listeners, brought to you by our friends Damian Kust and Jakob Bobro. Westoff, roll that episode. Who's your trusted source when it comes to your facility questions, concerns, and needs? Ours is Hard True, the world's largest manufacturer of tennis court surfaces, equipment, and accessories for over 90 years. Partner with their trusted team of experts, along with collegiate greats Jamie Loeb, Alex Rybakov, and Dustin Taylor to bring the service provider of over 30 professional events annually to your facility. Whether it's the red clay of the Houston ATP, the green clay courts of the Charleston WTA, or the official hard court of World Team Tennis, Hard True has you covered. If you're looking to build a court, convert a hard court to clay, or simply resurface your hard court, work together with Hard True in their mission to lead the tennis industry by creating better places to play. 
To learn more about their state-of-the-art surfaces, along with their catalog customizable on-court accessories, check out hardtrue.com or call 877-442-7878 today. That's hardtrue.com or 877-442-7878 today. Uh, welcome to the next episode of the Challenger Tour podcast. I'm once again joined by, by my friend Jakub, and I guess we're going to start from the draft speak game that we had of the uh, of Wimbledon qualifiers. Uh, I, we actually didn't talk about the re- final result. I don't know if my calculations are correct. Is it 49-28 for you as well? or that, that, That's what I have as well, yes. Yeah, so the, the difference is a little bit smaller than than the one uh, with which you beat me at, at Roland Garros this time it's in my favor and as we as we mentioned last time it's well we talked about the fact that it's all about finding these third rounders and it turns out that there was just one this this slam only Denis Kudla uh, actually got to the third round but also didn't give me a point later on what maybe maybe what, what disappointed you? Who disappointed you? Who who were you expecting to to score more? I mean, I I definitely have to say Christopher O'Connell disappointed me. I I, I had a sort of dilemma after he took Paul Mans, which I wasn't expecting really. O'Connell Kudla, I I think I overestimated uh, Davidovich Fukina's chances in that match. I didn't realize that he was still injured coming into that match, and I mean Kudla took advantage of his second round very well. Uh, O'Connell would have had a great second round if he had beaten Monfils uh, in the first. I think it was Travaglia or Martinez. It ended up being Martinez. Um, and obviously, I mean, that, that's that's the difference there. Basically, O'Connell got two points, could look at U16. Um, our difference total, uh, totally is, is 21, but that would have been a huge chunk um, out of it. Yeah, I mean, like my my, my front guys, they pick O'Connell, Rinda Knech, Barrer, they they didn't get any wins really. Like my only two winners were were Ota and Van de Zanschul, who were those guaranteed ones. Nakashima also disappointed me a little bit once I found out about Fritz's surgery and why Nakashima was such a huge favorite for the bookies in that match because he was like one point four against Fritz and I was like, I mean, he had a good qualifying, but I, I did not see that coming. But yeah, I mean, for you, uh, who you wanted to perform, perform Kudla performed well. Right, Paul Mans, Beat Lou, got you an extra point there. Yeah, who, who are you most happy with? And, and I think I was just most uh, happy with the fact that my first four picks scored. Like the the guys that I wanted to uh, to have were were actually the ones that scored me points. I kind of expected Paul Mans to defeat Garin, honestly. I think uh, I, I thought my lead was gonna be even bigger, but it was very close. <laughs> I was sort of following it live, and you know, there, there was that point when the last match uh, in the in the first round between qualifiers was Bonzi Trujeliti, and well, I had Bonzi, you had Trujeliti, and if Trujeliti won that fifth set, then it would have been 32, to, 32 uh, points each, and uh, three players going into round two each. So it would have been really close. Uh, well, I, I'm assuming Trujeliti wouldn't be beating Chilich next, so I'm assuming he <laughs> would have won, but the difference would have been really, really tight if it was just Kudla then uh, giving me points. In the second round, there were there were more that didn't win a set. Van der Zandhul for you and Oang for me, and then Kudla didn't win a set against Djokovic, but he was super close. I, yeah. I actually I was kind of hoping for a point there, but... 
uh, but, I, but I guess that wasn't meant to be. We're we're definitely gonna uh, come back with this game. Yeah, I, I, I think I think I think it's a lot of fun. It, it, it gives you something to to follow throughout the first couple of rounds. Where I mean, there's just so much happening that it's like, oh, where do I even start? Well, for us, we start with the qualifiers, <laughs> and then we, yeah, I even, then we look at everything else. I even texted you that there, uh, there's there's so many good matches around, and I'm watching through Haliti Bonzi because <laughs> because it has so much importance in in regards to this game. We're also gonna be back with the, I guess, with the qualifier picking. Uh, it 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 yeah. didn't go so well for us at Wimbledon, but Ho hoping you, uh, yeah, I mean, w w Wimbledon, especially this year with the short grass season, it's just it's just so. I, th I think this will this this was like the toughest slam to pick qualifiers in for, and I before mean, po possibly ever because there was no grass season the year before there was only two mm -hmm. weeks this year it was difficult so I think it was hoping we'll have much more data going in and I agree but and we'll have it's funny when you look at that that before picking these qualifiers we were kind of thinking that it's gonna be quite easy because of the amount of clay mm -hmm. quarters in the in the draw but then a lot of these clay quarters actually made it through but yeah. i guess i guess enough of the of the <laughs> of Wimbledon qualifying and none of our picks made made it to manic monday so we can we can finish the game right there uh, we're, mm -hmm. we're tied 1-1 now because because Jakub won at, at Ron Garros. I guess <laughs> yes. we we're just we, we're just gonna have to talk about the challenger tour right now, which is the I guess the sole purpose of this podcast. But we we kind of <laughs> extended that to to slam qualifying, and we had just one event this week, which was in Porto on hard. Uh, yeah, out of Chelly Bilic took the title. Um, beating Quentin Halis 6-2-6-1. I mean, what, and he also beat uh, Sergei Stachowski in the semi-final, like 6 6 one So really kind of a crazy finish to the, <laughs> to the, to the tournament uh, from Chelybilek losing only six games in his last two matches. Uh, he only lost one set. It was in the first round. Um, it's his first challenger title. He breaks into the top 200 first time. I saw Dominic Hrabati congratulating him because obviously he used to be um, Turkey's Davis Cup coach, not captain for, for a couple of years. So he has a lot of connections with the Turkish guys. Um, yeah, but, but what do you think of, of Celik Bilek's uh, week? Yeah, Celik Bilek, I'm, I'm kind of proud of this because since the beginning of the year, I've been mentioning him on like... You know, uh, each free podcasts maybe that that he's a guy that can rise this this year. He had that final in what was it Saint Petersburg where he lost to Zizubergs, and obviously hard courts and and indoor hard courts are his best. So so clay court season he didn't really play that much. Uh, also failed in failed in Swan qualities, but I'm really happy to see him do this. I think the top 200 is actually not a certainty for now because the, the you know the rankings come out after Wimbledon and he's like 197 at the moment oh so, right, yeah. yeah if enough if enough players overperform him next week especially as he's not playing i think i, I think he, he's taking break up <laughs> until a, a spanish challenger on hard in like three weeks uh then if, if if like if four players get over him then he then he's not gonna be in the top top 200 but i guess yeah. it's just a matter of time with him i mean it's it's been a really great season for four challenger semifinals at this point 
his second final, his his maiden title here. Uh, well, I kind of tuned into his run a bit late. I think the first match of his that I that I saw this week was was against Stakowski. I definitely expected a, a little bit more from Stako there, but but I guess the, the the previous wins he got on sheer tenacity, and when he when he faced an <laughs> opponent of Czelik Bilek's class, it was just it was just over. Then yeah. Alice didn't really perform in the final. I mean. But I, I, as I, as I mentioned, Cherik Bilek was someone that I talked about a lot here. Uh, I'm still really uh, in love with his forehand and really excited about his prospects. I mean, the the the, the performance against Alice, even if the Frenchman wasn't up to par, then then he, it was it was still great. The the backhand, which is sometimes a liability, I guess, was super solid. He made a lot of good running to to just make Alice hit that one more shot that he wasn't really able to. Uh, won like 88% of points on his first serve. I think it was even 100 until his last service game. So he was really dominating there. One one thing that was consistently poor in, in this week from Czech Bilek was his first serve percentage. Because against Stakowski, I think it was under 50. Against Alice, mm-hmm. barely over 50. He was still winning a huge amount of points on his first serve. But that's how he kind of got into, into trouble in some of his service games. Might, might sound weird that he got into trouble because he, you know, he lost six games in, in both these matches. But mm-hmm. there, there were some breakpoints. There were some moments where the where Stakowski or Alice could have ex, ex, uh, extended that much, but they, they didn't. They weren't able to. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you talked about Sakowski, who reached the semi here. Quite impressive. I mean, he got dragged into, uh, like, deep into the third set against Gosoeda and Viola, and then beat Oliveira in in two tie breaks uh, before obviously losing quite easily to Jelly Bilic, but quite a, quite a good week for, for Sakowski, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's his last season of the tour, right? So hopefully he's going to get one more run like that, but I wouldn't count on it, really. <laughs> I mean, it's no, not I looking mean, good. It's not looking good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, he, he just he just has to hope to like end those matches more <laughs> more more quickly than than getting dragged mm-hmm. into the third set like that, if he wants to have a shot at the at another challenger title. But I think you know, once we get to the indoor hard season uh, in the fall, I'm I'm not sure when exactly he plans to retire. Like which tournament he wants to be his last i don't think he said it uh, i think he's just said that it's his last season i don't think he said i don't think there's really a specific tournament where he could retire other than maybe wimbledon so i guess i just yeah, i wouldn't be surprised if it's if it's bratislava I, I think that he still lives in bratislava he's, he's lived there for oh. a very long time oh then, yeah, then, the, then, the, yeah. The, the, the the crowd quite enjoy him and i feel like that would give him a pretty big send-off so I would be shocked mm-hmm. if, if he if he picks that one to be his last. But very possible because that's going to be one know. of the last weeks of the of the of the Challenger season, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Also, so mm-hmm. yeah, go go. Oh, so, so, yeah, I, I want to talk about my my pick for the winner, Emilio Gomez, uh, who I mean made the city finals much better than your pick this week. So. <laughs> um, um, yeah, beat Nicola Kuhn, beat Jeffrey Blancano and Gastel Elias before losing to to Alice. So I mean not a horrible pick. Um shall we mention your horrible Yeah, pick? sure. I, mean, <laughs> I think you've been pretty unlucky these past two weeks with your with your winner picks. Like uh, th- it happens all the time that yeah, I just... they, they they get kind of deep. Yeah, they get kind of deep. I'm like, oh, well, maybe they're going to win it. And maybe you're, gonna, you're getting a point. And then yeah. Quentin Alice comes, 
plays a great match in the semis and then just bows down to 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 Chaligvi like in the final. But so we were kind of unlucky. I I mean I I guess I was unlucky too. I mean it was Borges's first match after that ankle ankle injury. Uh, but still losing 6-1, 6-2 to Goncalo Oliveira was quite shocking. Yeah. I wasn't watching I was that on the day. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't. I, I didn't watch that on the day it happened, but I, I came back to the recording and I I didn't you know, watch it first point to the last, but I, I, I watched a huge chunk of it and he didn't really look like he was hampered by anything. Mm-hmm. So it's it's quite shocking that he was able to to... to play this poorly i i'm not sure what to think about it uh especially as he had a lot of results in hard courts before it's not like it's not that he's only a clay court specialist last year he won a, a lot of uh, ex- first exhibition events in portugal beating guys like Elias and all and then itf events so i don't know I, we're gonna see in, in in the weeks to come but yeah that that pick didn't pan out too well that was a huge shock for me definitely um, yeah, anything else, or should we go to match and episode of the week? Uh, let me see my notes, but I don't think so. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think that quite covers it. Yeah, I mean, my episode of the week, we just talked about it. It was, it was Borges losing to Oliveira like that. Uh, did not see it coming whatsoever. I mean, e- even in the preview when we talked about it, we, we dismissed Oliveira so easily. It was maybe like 10 seconds of just like, oh, yeah, Oliveira, not gonna be a problem. Um, and then we just sort of moved on. I, I, and I mean, I, I, I picked Borges to to make the semis or the final, I think. So I was I was very surprised as well. But did you have the same? Or did you uh, yeah, sure. I mean, I, I don't think there's any other pick this week, really. Uh, as you said, we dismissed Oliveira. I remember we talked about Portuguese wildcards and we were like, Borges, exciting. Elias, exciting. Oliva- ah, Oliveira, yeah. Uh, I guess it's a lesson for us that we just shouldn't <laughs> underestimate, underestimate this guy. Uh, he's obviously a great doubles player, but I, I always kind of don't see him as a contender in, in singles, in challengers. I remember there was like a like a crazy stat when he played 90 challenger events, I think, in singles and reached four semifinals. Uh, that was like a year or two ago, so he probably has a lot more now, but you know, the, 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 the success ratio wasn't great, let's just say. <laughs> and for much of the week, I went yeah. with uh, something... Well, Maybe a slight upset, uh, Quentin Alice over Tanasi Kokinakis. Uh, I think it was usually I go for mm. more for, more for drama. I think that was just a straight setter, but I think it was consistently very high quality, which is still very surprising given that Alice played at least two great matches this week, Kokinakis and uh, against Kokinakis and Gomez, and then in the finals, I don't really know what happened. But uh, well, oh, one more thing I, I wanted to say about Alice is that he. <laughs> showed a very interesting uh, surface versatility in the past three weeks because we just talked about him reaching the 40 finals on clay. Then he went to play Wimbledon qualies and then he went here to play on hard. So. For my match of the week, I went for a bit more drama. I went for Sergei Stachowski beating Koso in the first round, 2-6, 6-2, 7-6, where Stachowski had two match points on his serve at 5-4. Uh, that had, I think, 3-1 or 4-1 in the, in the tie break. So a very dramatic match, very interesting. Um, it was interesting how Soda sort of kept Stakowski at bay because Stakowski, especially in the tiebreak, got dragged into some long rallies that I would that I would expect him to try to end more quicker. But uh, I mean, it, it's impressive that he's talking through that match, even though he played more baseline tennis than he usually does. <laughs> so. 
Yeah, yeah, I think in his recent matches, he's usually dragged to a lot of baseline tennis by his opponents. I guess he just isn't able to enforce his own style. Mm. Against Chadik Bilek, he was defending all the time and it wasn't really working out. I mean, not not against someone with it, with this forehand. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but anyhow, I was also thinking of of some of one of these long Stakowski matches when it came to my match of the week, but then ended up going for for Kokinakis Alice. Uh, so I guess we can go to next week then. Uh, three very exciting clay court events. We're fully into the clay court challenger season right now, <laughs> even though it's it's Wimbledon on the main tour, but the the main tour is also gonna go to 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 clay in a while. Uh, where do you want to start? I guess Salzburg, the, the biggest Salzburg one. Is probably, yeah, the, the, the biggest one. It's a 125. Um, yeah, we have, we have top seed Thiago Monteiro, who's playing his first challenger of the year, I believe. Um, the, the, the top is are genuinely kind of interesting. We, we, we have Monteiro, we have Pablo Cuevas as the second seed, and we have Federico Coria as the third seed, who I think that they're the, the, the biggest... Um, favorites in this draw. Uh, some interesting wildcards as well. We have Gerald Meltzer coming back after... That's a protected years, ranking, actually. But yeah. Oh, protected ranking. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Protected ranking Gerald Meltzer um, after a bit over two years, I think. So that will be exciting. Interesting, definitely, to watch against Korea. I don't see him really winning that match, but maybe, maybe he'll show something interesting. Also a bit of a weird one for a guy called Jakob Eichhorn, who shares a surname with a, with an Austrian psychoanalyst, who, who apparently is quite famous because when you look up Eichhorn, it's all about him. Um, and yeah, is, is outside the top 1000, uh, was never a top 100 junior. So a bit of a weird, bit of a weird world card. But yeah, what do you think about this draw? Uh, just for a quick mention that this is the first challenger in Austria in 10 years, actually. Quite mm -hmm. surprising, given they have all these all these main tour events, you know, Linz on the on the women's side and Kitzbühel on, uh, on the men's. Uh, do you happen to know who was the top seed last time there was a challenger in Salzburg 10 years ago? 10 years ago, so 2011. Yeah. I'm going to guess... Thomas Muster. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Interesting pick. I mean, in 2011, I think he played in, in Vienna, but I don't think he played a, a challenger. But it was actually kind of connected like to you. So Carol Carol Beck was the was the top. Uh. <laughs> I don't know why I noted that. I mean, it's just just uh, just kind of interesting, I guess. Uh, five top 100 players, as you mentioned. Um, Meltzer played some ITFs in this year already, but I mean. It was mostly first round or third round of qualities losses. So yeah, I also don't give him much of a chance against Korea. There are some very interesting guys in, in the qualities. I mean, Nicolas Jarry playing on clay. Mm -hmm. That's going to be quite interesting, but he used to be a, a hell of a cracker player as well. I mean, that, that, that match against Zverev in Geneva, for example. So he, he won his first round 6-1, 6-1 today, but that's that, you know, that the opponent was also a, an Austrian wildcard that I've never heard about. And then we've got a great final round of qualifying tomorrow between Lahetchka and Giannu. That's that's definitely something that that one could watch if if one wants to watch Challenger qualities tomorrow instead of Manic Monday. <laughs> uh, and I guess we could just go to the uh, to the peak. Then I went with Pablo Cuevas. Kind of boring, I guess, but I was really impressed by him both at Roland Garros and Exxon Provence later. 
And I don't think the two matches he lost on grass are going to just, you know, magically make his form disappear. I mean, it's it's Cuevas on grass. Also, the, the, the half is much weaker, I believe. Uh, well, maybe not the half, but the quarter is pretty decent for him. Yeah. Like, he, he recently beat Taro Daniel, I believe. So, Gulbis Petrovic, uh, I, I don't think these guys serve that much of a dan- danger for to him, but... Yeah, I for those reasons pretty much also went for Pablo Cuevas. <laughs> so we're we're matching picks this week. Um, yeah, that whole quarter there, there's Taro Daniel, but there's nobody else. There's Gulbis, Petrovic, Latsko, Londero, who's won like twice or three times this year. So and a couple of qualifiers to go. I mean, who? I mean, we mentioned that if it's Kari or Cianu or Lohechka, those are pretty dangerous qualifiers. But I think that Cuevas is is probably the the most logical pick in this draw. Yeah, definitely. And then we have uh, a challenger in Braunschweig or whatever. Yes. Uh, I think it was, yeah, I believe it was one of these four that earned the award for the best challenger in 2019. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I guess it kind of explains why this draw is also very quite strong. (laughs) <laughs> because the, the players seem to seem to really like it. Uh, we've got Benoit Pair, which is <laughs> wow. I mean, uh, the guy basically goes I don't to understand. Wimbledon. Yeah, he goes to Wimbledon, loses six four six four six zero to Schwartzman, which is on grass a very bad loss for him. I think he's two seventeen for the year, and he yes. says that he hates tennis at the, I mean, his life at the moment. That he's basically going collecting ch- paychecks. Uh, first, he's actually a couple of weeks ago he said that uh, playing tennis without crowds was nonsense, and yeah. then then he plays tennis with crowds and does the same. And he, <laughs> I actually checked that because you know I I remembered him playing challengers a lot, and because Perry is one of these guys like Goncalo Oliveira who basically play every week they can, and since 2008 he only skipped one year of challengers, and it was actually 2020. So, so that's it's kind of common to have Benoit Pair in the challenger, but I guess I just wasn't expecting that at, at all after what he said uh, at Wimbledon. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we had a bit of a conversation about the whole pair situation. I personally expect him to just play until his ranking can't get him into slums, into slums anymore and then just retire if he really is just collecting paychecks. If he's just collecting paychecks, why is he in Braunschweig, though? That makes no sense to me. He's going to get like a thousand euros for <laughs> if he loses first round, um, which I don't think that Benoit Pair travels for that kind of money. So if is he given an appearance fee? I don't think so. I mean, I, I would be surprised if they're spending their money on a Benoit Pair appearance fee. But anyway, I mean, he has Guido Andreotti in the first round, which is very, very venerable for anybody, really. <laughs> so we'll we'll see who wants to uh win it less um yeah i mean generally i i, I was trying to think of favorites berankis maybe he, he he made the third round at roland Garros. i think that he's probably the main favorite and relaxon also made the first round as a qualifier the, the the third round sorry as a qualifier but had to retire from there and he only played in one match since it was a straight sets loss to otta in Wimbledon qualifying, so I'm not really sure if we can really take him as a favorite to go win a tournament. Um, so I, I, I was kind of struggling with who to pick here, and then they're going for Josef Kovalik because if, if he beats Horansky, then that section, unless Laksonen is fully healthy, 
is kind of easy. There's Misha Zverev, Vukic, Jaziri, Kuhn, so not a really dangerous um, quarter. And then obviously he gets to he gets to play in the semis, whoever comes out of the pair quarter, which could be Bergs or Kopians or Mahaj. Um, but I think that it's it's kind of weaker compared to the bottom half. What do you think? Yeah. Uh... I mean, I also don't really believe he gets an appearance fee because, you know, imagine you're the owners of the challenger, even if they're super rich. Like, there are so many good players around Pairs ranking that lost in the first round of Wimbledon that you would offer it to them because Pair isn't really going to bring you a lot of people because even if he does, even if he does bring a crowd, then it's just for one or two matches. Like, you would pick someone stable you would be i don't know go for pablo cuevas or whoever yeah. i don't know just definitely I mean, open all, pair. all all pair can give you is like uh a gif going viral of him yeah i don't know i don't know what he could do he he, he could literally do anything <laughs> he, he has an everything on the court so that's that that's all, all, I, all i guess you could be hoping for if you give them pair an appearance fee but i don't think that's the case uh they did have to give him a belt hurdle because he is Still a top 50 player, courtesy of the ATP ranking situation at the moment. <laughs> so, okay, one more one more interesting thing happened today in the qualies. Uh, Katzper Zhuk played an unranked German, Team St. Kaulen, who's actually a college player for the University of Mississippi, which I didn't know at the time. And I, I, I was kind of like, uh, where did that come from? And, you know, it, it kind of makes sense that he, he didn't play a professional event in three years because he was in college. So you can't really judge his level, like, at all. But, you know, the, the, the loss, he had too much, uh, Zhuk had too much <laughs> points, but ended up losing in the in the third set, uh, third set tie break. And St. Kaulen is going to play another poll tomorrow, uh, Daniel Michalski, whom we also talked about, like, two or three weeks ago. Uh, and I, I said that he was probably playing a, quite a bit better than his rank would suggest so i'm i'm hoping for for a winner and but I, it would have been so much fun to see Zhuk Michalski for for a spot in the in, in the challenger draw but i guess it wasn't meant to be i'm also excited to watch St. Colin. i actually didn't watch it today i took a bit of a break you know to to cool myself mm-hmm. off uh, from 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 tennis obviously watched the the porto final but but ended up not watching any qualities today. So definitely excited for Michalski St. Kaulen tomorrow. Uh, yeah, and as for my pick, I guess we can go to that now. I went with Auri Laksonen. I actually forgot he retired at Ron Garros, which you reminded me of just now. Uh, so maybe it's, maybe it's wrong for that reason, but I, I don't really see any other good options there, frankly. Uh, like everyone can win it. I was also thinking of Kovalik, uh, but I didn't like the idea of uh, having someone who I think has a very good chance of losing first round as my as my pick. So I ended up going for Laksonen. Yes, all of the qualifying matches in Braunschweig were won by the unseeded players, except for uh, Matteo Donati against Dane Kelly, where Donati retired from the match. So all of the finished matches were actually won by the the unseeded players which I, i don't think that happens uh often especially when you have seeds like Kasper Juk in the draw but yeah uh should be fun to see who comes out of that and who can take an opportunity uh in the main draw should we want to Perugia? sure yeah Perugia. uh interesting draw top seed is salvatore caruso who's been um struggling on the on the main tour 
for quite a bit. Eight match um, losing streak, actually. Yeah. yeah, that's that's tough. He he has some interesting players in his section, like uh, Forti, Caboli, Lucavani is there. Nuno Borges, is he, if he's healthy this week <laughs> and can do something in Popco. So a lot of challenges for him, even in this challenger. Uh, then in the next section, we actually have Dominique Stefan Stricker, who is a very, very talented young Swiss player. Um, uh, but he does have some challenges. He has Echeverri, he has Kachin, he has Kuzmanov or Gallo in his section. The next section, I think, is very weak with Olivo, Giustoni, Seda, Rusic, Pellegrino, and Zhang, and three qualifiers. That to me is, is I mean, outside of Zhi and Zhang, almost everybody kind of, kind of Olivo, has, has sucked recently. Olivo reached the finals in, in Prague, and Pellegrino won that, that event in, what was it, Biela or Rome? Rome. Rome, and then neither have been good since then. Uh, so I think that that's actually could go to Zhang, which would be a good result for him on clay. And then the last one is, I think, where it all happens. We have Andre Martin, we have Olga Rune playing Thomas Fabiano in the first round. We have Lukas Klein, uh, well, Moroni, who who won last week. We have with Evan Furness, who we've talked about for for a couple of weeks now. So that that that's a very exciting quarter, I think, to watch. Um, yeah. Do you have anything else to say about the draw overall? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm very excited by the premise of some some of these first-rounders, first like Moroni Fairness or Koboli Popko. That's going to be great. I like, uh, also in the qualities, there's Timo Face Katov. But actually, looking at the draw, I had absolutely no idea who to pick here. Like, it, 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 it's really, there are like 20 players that can do it. Really. <laughs> Maybe 20 is an overestimation, but I mean, uh, there's a lot of them. And Zhizhen Zhang, I was also thinking about actually. Uh, it's not a Kuzmanov pick. Um, maybe I'm gonna surprise you. <laughs> I didn't go for Dimitar Kuzmanov. I ended up going for Holger Rune. I mean, hmm. it's sort of random. I was thinking of Caruso. Like my first instinct was was Caruso, but you know, I was like, yeah, he's not doing too well on the main tour. But I mean, he's still class and all. And then I checked his results, and I mean. The eight match losing streak scared me, especially some of these like Sandgren on clay and all. Mm. I mean, that's that's just something that shouldn't really happen to him. I just mean think that he definitely can get on the roll and win this. But I mean the the loss of confidence that comes with eight eight losses in a row, I I think just that that, that might just be too much. And I, I I was thinking of Streaker as well maybe, but I mean I I don't want to trust him this much. So early, you know, in, in in this at this stage of his career, I I just don't think he's gonna just consistently win challengers after challengers. I mean, potentially in a year or two, but not right now, I guess. Yeah, I mean, looking at the draw, I was thinking about Rune. I was thinking about Striker. I was sort of put off by their draws, which I think are, are pretty difficult. And I ended up going with Thomas Martin Echeverri to finally break through. Yeah, he's he's ready to finally break through. He's been very consistently made semifinals in Fortley, made semifinals in the last two BLA tournaments, one including as a qualifier. So I think this is the week where he finally takes it to semifinals and further for Tomas Martin Echeverri. I like that. Uh, he's definitely one of the players that have been you know, circling around this level for a while, and he's definitely better than the one challenger final that he has for now. So, so yeah, I, I definitely like that. 
Uh, and I guess since we're having some technical issues, hopefully you're not going to hear too many of that. Uh, I guess that's where we're going to end for, for this week. Uh, you know, we're obviously going to be uh, going to be back soon. I think the uh, huge weeks of Challenger Tour are coming, right? Like uh, most of most of the next uh, most of next weeks are going to be like four events. So lots of fun for us. Hopefully lots of fun for you as well. Uh, yeah, when we come back, we're going to talk about Iasi, Amersfoort, Nur Sultan and Todi. And I, I guess the next... Yeah, the, the next three weeks are going to have four events each. So, yeah, July is going to be the month of the ATP Challenger Tour, hopefully. <laughs> and uh, thank you for listening as always. And this is it for, for, for this is it for now. And and see you next week. Hope all of you enjoyed another podcast from our friends Damian Kust and Jakob Bobro breaking down all the latest action on the ATP Challenger Tour. A huge shout out and thank you to them as always for their continued work. I'm hoping to get Damian on the mini break podcast this week so hopefully we'll be able to hear from him on another one of our platforms and if you haven't read some of the work he's written for us, he's broken down the young checks. He's done so many different fun things for our website. You can find all of his content there, CrackedRackets.com. Of course, if you are looking for some Wimbledon discussions, mini break podcast every day, breaking down all of the action we see unfold. Of course, GSP Ace of the Day selections here on this podcast each night as well. Hopefully you all are following along. We're up seven units going into the second week. That's where we want to be. Now we can perhaps get a little bit more aggressive, make some moves, and continue this success into week two. But again, like, rate, subscribe, review to this podcast, the mini break podcast, cracked interview show, and all of our Cracked Rackets content if you need the more immediate updates. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I am at Great Shot Pod. A shout out as always to our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff for the of editing job they do day in day out shout out as well to our friends at turn of tennis remember contact sales at uniquesports.com or call 800-554-3707 with that in mind for our fantastic hosts damian coos jacob bobro our super producers fligner and westoff our friends at turn of tennis and from all of us here at both cracked rackets and the tennis channel podcast network i'm your host alex gruskin you know what we say hey great shot and we'll see you all tomorrow thanks everyone <laughs>